0: Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Jesse Salem, and together we're studying Shir Hashirim. Shir Hashirim, still in Perek Aleph, Pasuk he. Um, From Pasuk Ha in Perek Aleph through Perek Bet, Pasuk Zain is another long theme or song made up of a few songs. We'll take it section by section, as it's comprised of several smaller songs. So here the woman turns to the girls of Jerusalem. She speaks of the tragedy of how she looks, really because of outside causes. And in pasuk Zayin and Chet, we'll see our first dialogue. Right? She turns to her beloved, she opens up to him, and calls him the love of her soul. And we'll see how he doesn't respond in the same fashion. So let's read these next um, four pasukim. Shehorani veNava benot Yerushalayim, ke'olek kedar, kriyat Shlomo. Al tironi shani shahar chored, shezafani hashemesh, benei mini harobi, samuni noterat karamim. And she turns to him. and his response, So here the woman as opposed to speaking to herself, as I explained, here she turns to the to the girls of Jerusalem and speaks with them. ki Kedar, Kiriot Shilomo I am dark, yet still attractive, daughters of Jerusalem. Like the tents of Kedar, right? Kedar, nomadic tribe, like the curtains of Shilomo. She doesn't feel beautiful, yet proclaims that even though she has a dark complexion, she still is beautiful. Al <speaking> Shahar <in Hebrew> Don't see me for my dark complexion because I've been tanned from the sun. My mother's children, right, the closest relative, right, even closer than a father's children. So my mother's children fought with me. They made me a guard for the vineyards and my own vineyard I didn't guard. I'm not naturally dark like the daughters of Kedar rather it's from the sun an external cause don't judge me as dark since it's just an outer effect from the sun it's not me my brothers fought with me they placed me as a guard to the vineyards and I abandoned my own vineyard right so the first vineyard right the one that the brothers made her guard is literally a vineyard her brothers forced her to work outside in the heat protecting the vineyards but what about the second vineyard The second one is probably a metaphor for herself. She didn't take care of herself. She had to just do other things because of external causes that just took her mind off of taking care of herself. And the girls of Jerusalem made fun of her for that. She was too dark. She wasn't one of them. And her response was that it wasn't from birth. It was due to her life circumstances. While she was taking care of her brother's vineyards, she got tanned and burnt from the sun and didn't take care of herself. Right? Metaphorically, B'nai Yisrael turned to God and say, we're naturally pure and, and long to do what's right in your eyes, God, but it's external circumstances, pressure from foreign nations and exile that cause us not to focus on ourselves and our relationship with you, God. And now the woman turns to her beloved. We'll see the first dialogue now in the form of a song over the next two Pisukim. She wants him and only him. ha <laughs> ali Tell me, my love, where will you rest in the afternoon? Why should I be wrapped up by your friend's flocks? So she turns to him and asks where he'll be letting his flock rest in the afternoon. Like we know in the high heat, you know, in the middle of the day, the shepherd usually let their flock rest in a shady area. Each shepherd has their own private spot where they usually go. And at that time, the shepherd is free from his work. And the woman longs to be with him at that moment. And we could ask, is her, is her question rhetorical or is she sincere? Why should I be seen by others? Rhetorically, she'd be almost telling him, you wouldn't want me being picked up by one of the other boys, so tell me where you are. Or, alternatively, she could be sincerely concerned over her honor and asks, why should I be seen by others as if I was wrapped up like a harlot or, or a mourner going, you know, guy to guy? She's concerned how people would perceive her if she walked the fields asking around for a beloved. And she just wants, wants him to tell her where he'll be. Right? The language of Echa also has a ring of Avelut and lamentation, which can very well reflect Rashi's Perush of B'nai Israel in the Galut. Right? Echa tira. Now the beloved responds to her so eloquently but so shockingly. If you don't know, meaning if you don't know why I am, the most beautiful of women, right? he addresses her in a romantic way, just as she addressed him, go out in the footsteps of the flock and herd your own goats amongst the shepherd's tents. Find me, basically. He basically answers, not yet. There's no feelings towards her. He's, he still though openly, um, you know, speaks to her and opens with words of endearment before turning her away, giving off the feeling as, it's not that I don't like you, even though I'm turning you away. So this is the first dialogue in Shia Shirim, and the motif of searching for one another is, is a great motif in Shia Shirim, hence opening up the first dialogue. Usually the shepherd leads the flock from the back. Here he tells the woman to walk in their footsteps, meaning, walking back of the sheep. And his response to her is, in essence, be a shepherd. And then she will be able to find, you know, find him without having to speak with other people in the fields. You'll find me either way. He's not concerned of her having to search for him, even if she may come across other guys on the way. And this closes off the shirah. Metaphorically, right, these two Pisukim. This short song could represent the conversation between B'nai Yisrael and God. B'nai yisrael ask, To understand the reasoning behind their exile and pain of exile, and God responds with an indirect response, or maybe no response, like rather, they should continue to follow in the footsteps of their forefathers, and send their children, resembled by the young goats, to study in the, you know, with the chamim of the generation. The Targum explains that if they do this, they will, you know, persevere until the time of redemption. The dialogue continues, each bringing imagery from their their world. We'll see him from royalty; he's from Jerusalem, and her, right? She brings from nature; she's from Engedi, right? Yet we'll see their non-symmetrical phrases. We'll pay attention to how this develops over the next twelve pesukim. So now, for the next um, the next six pesukim, he speaks, right, to her. Nabula lehayach baturim sabarech bharuzim. Tores zahavna aselach im nekudot akazef. And now she responds. Ad she amelach bim sibon yedin atan lecho. Siror hamor dodi li ben shadayalin. Esh kol akoffer dodi li engedi. That closes off the first dialogue, or the second dialogue of three pesukim each. Um, this dialogue begins with the beloved opening up. Um and we'll see, followed by her response, be three times. So, the I've compared you to a horse amongst the chariots of Paro, my love. Right? Susa is a poetic way of saying sus, in, horse in Hebrew. So, you are my horse, my dear. Like, I wonder how she took that. The imagery of the woman and the man will be very different. Right? The imagery he uses is, is from his world. Right? And he still goes on to praise her, even though He's not ready for the next steps in the relationship that she's looking for. But the beautiful royal horse of, of maybe a pro himself, the one who, who was surely the most beautiful, the most adorned, I mean, it's, it's a, it's really a, I guess from his world, it's, it's a concept like, it's like, like, you are my Mercedes, like someone actually speaking in, in that regard also. He's speaking in his terms. And we'll see as it's, you know, the Miguelade develops, um, how he actually, the imagery that he uses for her. But he's speaking from royalty now. Rayati um, is not necessarily a wife. In Shir Hashim, it's a call an endearment. He calls, you know, he, he calls her my dear, my love. And he continues, batorim, savarech bharuzim. Your cheeks are adorned with torim. Right? Torim it's a, is a, the only time it comes up is in Shir Hashim. It's a type of jewelry, most people say, that would lay row over row, like, you know, tor over tor. Your neck with strings of jewels. So we hear the word, Torah in within the word torim, right? The metaphor being Matantura, God remembering that day. We will make you torim, jewelry of our gold with silver spangles. The plural of we seems to be, you know, a modest form of her speaking, or maybe she's speaking more in a, you know, metaphorical, you know, term of, of for the nation itself, or he's speaking. Right? It seems as as though the jewelry in last pasuk wasn't made of gold, and and the beloved speaks that she deserves to have them made from gold, and he will be the one to make them from her. And now the woman opens up. While the king was still at his celebration, my spikenard, right, which is a natural oil derived from a plant, released his fragrance. She remembers the time when, even amongst all the other scents and colognes at the party, her beloved smelled hers. The king here is either King Shlomo, or it's a nickname for... The groom, right? The smell permeates and reaches both of them, even when they're not together. Right? Hazal explained this as the keeping of mitzvot, mitzvot, even in the times of the kalut, when God isn't, like, by our side. Once again, she fantasizes. Seror ha-mor dodili ben like a bundle of myrrh, my beloved is to me, lodged between my breasts, right? Myrrh is a natural gum extracted from a, a number of small, thorny tree species. Kofer becharme angedi, like a cluster of henna. My beloved is to me in the vineyards of Engedi. Right? Kofit is is a henna, it's a flowering plant whose fruits grow in clusters. They're found in the Jordan Valley area. And here the woman speaks of them in the area of Engedi, right? That's where she's from. And henna, in many cultures, was used during wedding celebrations, and the woman speaks of her beloved in this regard. Important to mention that where they started separate, you know, but now they've they, they've met up, like in the area of Engedi, unless, of course, as we want to explain that, it's actually the plot building up and she, you know, they're almost like longing to be with each other. Now the dialogue turns to the beloved and the husband speaks, right? The, the, the man, the beloved speaks. His praises are external, while she tries to take them further, um, she speaks to them, as we'll see, like, as a couple already. He nach yafar ayati, nach yafar, enayich yonim. That's what he says. And her response: He nachayafed odi, afnaim, af al senu ra anana, kolot batenu arazim, rahtenu berotim. Right. So he starts off with He nach yafar ayati, nach yafar, enayich You're beautiful, my dear. You're beautiful. Your, your eyes are dove-like. It seems as though when he gazes into her eyes, he sees a beauty. And she responds. Like, no, it's you who's the handsome one. He and continues, na'im, anana, my beloved, you are the handsome one. Even pleasant, even our bed is decorated. Like anana is decorated, or maybe even you know, fertile. The difference in their speech is glaring. She's moving much faster than him. She's constantly pushing a relationship forward, right? She's moving forward. Like, great, I'm beautiful, but where are we going with it? And she continues on in the next pasuk with with building a home, korot batenu arazim. And she speaks in the plural. It's us. The beams of our house are from cedars. Our rafters from Cyrus's. And after she spoke about him, and, and then their bed, she moves on to their home or, or the chuppah itself. She's already speaking of their bed, their room, while he's still focused on her beauty. All right? We see the transition from the oil in pasuk in pasuk Hair, right, to the permanence now of the house. And now she goes on to describe herself. He, he, you know, and then Hukul on her call out her uniqueness. She's not anyone. And then we'll see she responds that he's not, you know, he's special not only in appearance, but also, and then again, she takes it further. We'll see their connection is sweet. She opens up. And he says, and her response: Right? So let's now take a pasuk pasuk. I'm like a lily of the of the Sharon, the lily of the valleys. Some some people mistakenly explain this to be a, a deep red tulip um, or a deep rose, but it's actually more correctly it's the um, the sea daffodil, the sand lily, which is a white flower found on the Israel coastline. So pay attention how the plot's developing. She invites him. I'm a ready flower. I'm, I'm ready to be picked. And now the beloved goes on to speak. He starts and addresses her in the same way. You know, she saw herself. He agrees with her and then pauses. It's like, almost like stopping, like stuttering. Like, you're like a lily amongst the thorns. So is my love amongst the other girls. She stayed beautiful and stood out from amongst the surroundings. No one can compare to you. He calls out her beauty but he doesn't pick her interesting to note that Shilohmore used the form of a lily at the top of the columns in the Betha Mikdash that he built right simenachim um This, this may shed light on the metaphor. And now the woman once again opens with praise for her beloved in return, and once again takes it a step further. And she continues. Like an apple tree in the forest, so too is my beloved amongst the boys. In his shade I was delighted and sat, and his fruit is sweet to my palate. Her beloved is great all around. Yes, he has the best shade, and he has the best fruit. No one else compares. He may, you know, we may ask, what's so significant about an apple tree that she chooses, you know, an apple tree to resemble him? Um, Rabbi Bick um, from Gushet Zion explains that there are non-bearing fruit trees that provide shade and other smaller trees that bear fruit. The apple tree is unique in that it provides shade and additionally bears fruit. And as we mentioned, the woman keeps taking the praise and relationship further. She compliments him. He compliments her back in the same regard. And she says, you're even. And then continues to materialize the fantasy. I will sit in your shelter and, and your shade and benefit from your sweet fruit. This closes off, you know, 12 Pesukim. Um, that, the song of 12 Pesukim. We saw a dialogue between the woman and her beloved. Um, he opened with the praise of her jewelry and then she in return praises his fragrance. He praised her beauty and she sings his praise um their bed and their home and closes with comparing herself to a lily. And while he continues in that light of you know praising her like a lone lily, she admires him as a sweet apple tree amongst other fruit non you know non-bearing um non fruit bearing trees. It sounds like early conversations that they had while they were first going out, words of endearment for one another, with her trying to push the relationship you know along a little faster than him. Metaphorically, Um, these are all praises that God says to B'nai Israel B'nai Israel respond and return we hear the miraculous events of Kriyat Suf. When God submerged the Egyptians, um, their horses and chariots in the sea, right? The Suez, right? That's how Rashi explains. We, we hear the words torim invoking a memory of Matan Torah, God resting amongst, amongst us, right? Ben Shadayalin, between the Kiruvim or, or between the poles that were used to carry the Mishkan, God's Shechinah lays. Um, a building from cedars, arazim, arouses the memory of the Bet Mikdash, incense um, mentions, some of which were used in the ketoret, bringing back memories of the Avodah, um, we used to perform in the Beit HaMikdash. It closes with God saying that He chose Ben Israel from amongst all the other nations. That Lily stood out from amongst the, the thorns. And we in return chose God um, to worship Him alone. In the next song, she speaks alone. She speaks profoundly of Ahavah coming up three times in the song as Yemila Ha, And ends off with the famous swear, which will be repeated three times in Megillah, there's love, but it's not concretized yet. Let's see. Hevi ani el bet hayayin v'diglo alai ahaba. Samichuni ba'ashishot. Rapiduni b'tapuchim ki cholat ahaba ani. Semolot ha'had roshiy v'iminot ha'bekeni. Hishpati etchem b'not yerushalayim b'tzvaot or b'aliot ha'sadeh. Im ta'iru v'im ta'orru et ahaba ad she'thapas. Right. So she opens up and she speaks. He brings me to the banquet hall and, and his look I'm in love with. She sees herself that she's in a banquet hall drinking wine and as if she surpassed the rational love, right? Diglo, is the is to gaze in Akkadian. And now she turns to her friends. Right? Sustain me with, with, with the ashishot, with the grapes. Set my bed with apple trees as I'm faint with love. Right, Ashishot grapes, we see this coming up in Hoshea, right? Ashishima grapes. There, by the way, it's also a reference to God's command to Yoshua to love a prostitute, right? Symbolizing the love of God to Bnei Israel, where Bnei Yisrael turned to foreign gods, right? They are they are lovers of you know other grapes. She, she's telling her friends, I can't stand straight from being drunk of love. Support me with these grapes and the apple tree. Well, why an apple tree? So her friends don't understand why she wants apples. Some commentators suggest that they believe that apples had medicinal um, benefits, but we can more simply, you know, suggest that we know the apple tree reminds her of a beloved. She wants apples. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm will hug me. These are thoughts. This is what she longs for: a, a, a hug, endear me. I enjoy you, daughters of Jerusalem. Right? She puts them under oath by the gazelles or the deer in the field, lest you wake up or disturb this love until it's ready, right? until it's ready on its own. Important to mention that the swear appears three times throughout the Megillah. The last time, it's matairu or mateoreru, right? A little different of a language. Language. She makes them swear not to wake her. She's she she loves living this dream, and really, what is she telling her friends? What exactly is the oath that she puts them under? So she could be telling them not to wake her up out of the slumber. She's in a deep love and wants to live in this dream. Or maybe she's concerned that one of the other girls will try and take her beloved like snatch him and she's making them swear that they wouldn't do so. Or simply, she's advising her friends, giving them some advice that there's nothing like being in love once it happens. Don't force it. Just let it develop on its own. It's interesting who the swear is named... Is in the name of. So it's in the name of sevaot and aylota sade, right? The gazelles and the deer. What's in a gazelle and a deer to swear in their name? Like we. So Yehuda Felix, Professor Yehuda Felix, explains that it's based off the nature of these animals. They run, hide, peek, and, and seek their mate. This is exactly how she feels. Hide, peek, hide, seek. It's it's the early stages of a relationship and And that's why she uses the imagery of of gazelles and deer and um Ravitama Eldad additionally points out that these animals carry an important symbolism as they carry on without giving up, like even when climbing steep cliffs you watch them in in the engedi region, just you know they they carry on climbing the seemingly impossible right and she'll also carry on alternatively. yoni Grossman explains from a totally different angle, focused more on the literary use as opposed to the um, the imagery itself, he points out that even though God's name isn't mentioned in the Megillah, it's at the tip of the woman's tongue. Right? Think about what she says. She says, you know, <laughs> like, What are we thinking? Tzvaot, <laughs> that's God's name. And then she continues, which means it's almost like redefining Tzvaot. Tzvaot isn't God's name. Oh, Tzvaot is, is gazelle. It's, you know, it. It can be alluding to God in Sevaot and Shaddai, and right? But, you know, Sevaot or right? She almost wants to swear in God's name, but she doesn't. She swears in the name of animals that are hardest for us to find and catch. And as opposed to swearing in God's name, the ultimate sense of stability, she swears in the name of something that's fleeting. It's it's like, it's an oxymoron. And he'd like to suggest that it's the first hint that this swear itself will take on different meanings throughout the Megillah. Remember, it comes up three times throughout the Megillah, giving it much of its structure. And maybe it means something else when it's brought with slight changes. Um, this closes off the Shirah. It's a song of love. Ahava is repeated three times. Um, and the word Hevi'ani, right, hevi'ani ahava, plays on the same shodesh of Ahava. She's in deep love. Metaphorically, B'nai Yisrael are in a deep love with God. And they adjure the other nations, right? The other the other girls of Jerusalem representing the other nations, not to break the bond of love between them and God. Um, That closes off this Shirah. In the next uh, part, we'll see the first story in the Megillah when he's coming.